Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need as artists to pursue our what? The car of our dreams? No, Jason, you're not getting a Tesla. Just our artistic, creative dreams, our goals. Yeah. I'm your host, Jamie Parker Stickle. And I'm Jason Bieber. <laughs> and between us, we've had more jobs than a small village. And most of them have been Jamie's. That's right. I mean, I think I've had 127 jobs and you've had three. I might have had six, but I definitely came from privilege and yeah. have not had to work as hard as other people. Rich people problems. Um, okay, but... <laughs> the struggle is real, Jamie. <laughs> that's a The diff- struggle is real. That's a topic for a different show that maybe or maybe we won't do. But on today's show, we're talking about the most stereotypical of actors' side hustles. The one we are known better for than our IMDb profiles. I'm talking about culinary experts. Do you mean waiting tables? <laughs> that and hosting and bartending and cocktail waitressing and... What's that thing that they do? Catering? Catering gigs? You service weddings? Yeah, I never did that. Yeah. I never did any of those. Okay, well, I did. And you know who else did? Who? Our very special, very, very, very special guest, Jason Kelly! <laughs> hey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so, really quick, Jason Kelly does not do side hustle anymore. You know why, folks? He's a straight-up hustler! <laughs> straight up it's amazing. Like, success story. Success story 101 right here, kids. So listen. Listen up. Okay. Okay. Do the work. Do the work. If you want to sweat somebody, check out this man's Instagram. Check out his Instagram. No, check out JK's IMDB. Yeah. <laughs> um, Should we just throw links to that under the podcast? Can I just tell you one thing? When Jason Kelly invites you out and you go over to his house and there's like a lot of people there, everybody's famous and you're like... Shit, I want to go in the closet right now because I am so not. And you just, you're like, don't be cool. Be cool, Jamie. Like, don't embarrass JK. But I have out like my autograph pad and I want to go to every person and be like, I saw you on your show. It's so good. I saw you on your show. It's so good. I saw that thing you wrote that won an Emmy. It's so good. And it's really embarrassing because the autograph immediately prior is like Mickey Mouse and Goofy. Way to bring a room down. Hey, I try to get their autographs as well, and they're my friends. Well, I think I have your autograph on my wedding ketuba. Oh, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. That'll go on eBay one day. eBay one day. <laughs> At least photos of it. We'll sell prints. Do they know what a ketuba is? Oh, we should probably question. clarify. Uh, I am Jewish, and uh, when you get married, you have a Jewish wedding contract called a ketuba. And why is my name on your ketuba? Because Jason Kelly married us. He married us, and it was amazing. A good reverend. We're gonna just take that again, where you don't yell into the microphone. Okay, he married us. He married us, and it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. It was an honor to do it. It was an honor to be your host. Made made a pretty good pretty good wedding video too. I'm not gonna lie, you guys. People still talk about our wedding. It was a lot of fun. We get a lot of comments like, that was the best wedding ever. And let me let me tell you one thing. One, we served pizza. But two, that wasn't what was so great. Jason was. Kelly was so great. He but was. it was 120 degrees on the top of a mountain, and all the ice melted, and yet people still drank, got drunk, and had the best time sweating through their clothes. The best time. Yeah. I'm on record, though, I'm convinced that our two weddings mm-hmm. were 
the two hottest days in all of California. Oh my god! In, in all of ever. Well, yours was actually like in the middle of a wildfire. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. Oh, it that's was. right. It was. Yeah. Oh, like, your wedding was the best um, wedding I've ever been to. Y'all's was pretty damn awesome. I had a great time. It's like I think ours. I think I think we peaked. I think our weddings. We're peak weddings. Peak weddings. Yeah. And I was the bride at my wedding, so I couldn't enjoy it the same way people True. enjoyed it. But I was a guest at your wedding, yes. so for me, yours was the best. Turn you, up. You, you, know also, I mean? you also had a multi-day wedding. Yes, we did have a multi-day wedding. I wish we'd had a multi-day wedding. That would have been cool. Yeah. cool. Like at the pool the second day? A second at day, the Four like Seasons pool? pool kind of reception? Mm. That would have been real fun. Yeah. We can always host one. I'll MC it for you guys. Let's do it. Done. Because you know what's going to happen. This podcast is going to make us big bucks. Big, big bucks. dollars. Make that paper, yo. Oh, that's we're, the name of the show. We're in the midst of making the paper. I'm kidding. Podcasts don't pay. Um, that being said, <laughs> don't think we're getting rich this way. This is a side gig that doesn't pay. We actually work side gigs so that we could do this podcast. Yeah, I had to pick up an extra side gig. <laughs> side gigs for side gigs? Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> so I'm still paying off the Yeti microphone we bought to do the podcast. <laughs> that's how much we love to put art out into the world and the story and voice of creators because it's important which brings me back to the show narcissism <laughs> vanity no i'm just kidding <laughs> i really want to hear jk's story because since he told me what he did and let me just let me just tell you all he was a drink server he was a drink server i've been a drink server i've been a hostess i've been a bartender well sort of um which we'll get to but really what i want to talk about first is where JK was a drink server? I was a drink server at Hollywood Le Bear back in the early 2000s. And Hollywood Le, Hollywood Le Bear was a male strip review for yes. women in the edge of West Hollywood. Um, like, it, were they, they wear the bow ties and no shirts? Pretty much. Yes. So I was wearing the bow tie and like a cut off sleeve uh, t- uh, tuxedo shirt was my, my attire. It was in a, a building that is now Delilah on Santa Monica, and I guess it's Hayworth uh, or Laurel, whichever one of two streets yeah. it is. But yeah, it was right next to where Baby Baby Booze used to be, and uh, I was the drink server in there. Mm. And I can tell you that women in a controlled environment where they can be uncontrolled are way worse than guys. Ooh. Wow! In in a similar environment, in a similar in environment, world? yeah, because yeah, the rules are different. Tell me about the rules. Well, in a strip Look at club, our fa- if you could see our faces, we are no, wide eyes. Are wide. In a strip club, the guys go to where there's women dancing. There are big bouncers. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to touch the girls unless no. they let you touch the girls. You normally have to get a lap dance, and your hands are on the side, down by your body. And there's always a watchful eye on you if you do something wrong. And you will be quickly escorted, snatched, yanked, and thrown out of the place. I've yeah, heard I, I've all had, of this. I've had a lot of friends, very good friends, who are strippers. Yeah, right. I have. I'm clearly. You've never. Jamie died. Parker Stiggle has never been a stripper. <laughs> have you seen me? Um, I don't think I could dance a move to even stay on a stage. I'd probably just fall right off. But if you've seen me, you I know would, I would tip more for that. Jamie Parker Stiggle has never been a stripper. No. Keep mm-hmm. going. We can go to the bank and get some singles and I can give them to you and you guys can go have a good time yep. in, your be- in your bedroom. Another He'd side job. Oh, dancing. He'd be anyway. laughing. I would be laughing. So. Uh, okay, so we know the for, rules for the boys. So those are the rules for the boys. The rules for the women, there are no bouncers. What? There are no bouncers in there. Like, it's a room full of women of all different ages, all different ethnicities. And there's about seven or eight guys in there, Chippendale types, dancing, doing their thing. 
I wasn't that buff, but I was in better shape then than I am now. Um, He's a very handsome and muscular man, you guys. Um, Look him up on IMDb. I used to be. Man, I saw all kinds. What's the rating? The rating is triple X. Just say whatever you want. I saw shit that made my hair straight. It was insane. Women did not care about the rules. There were no rules, first and foremost. I saw blowjobs. Oh, yeah. Oh. I saw hand jobs happening. I saw one guy get passed from several different women all getting blowjobs. All all giving them blowjobs, which I went, wow, that's really kind of nasty. Kind of. Kind of really nasty. And That's like sharing your sucker with someone. And I can't go. I don't want to go because I mean it's not open anymore, and I won't. I don't. I definitely don't want to drop any names or anything like that. Um, but it was a friend of mine who I had met um, doing stand up, and he told me I was broke, and he was like, "Hey, you feel like getting some, making some extra money, and coming serving drinks to the ladies at, at night?" And he's like, "I need some help," and so I went. And I said, "Yeah," and I did it, and it was the better part of about two, three months where I made. Tips? Three, four hundred dollars in tips, and I went, Damn. Oh, now I understand why people strip, right? I understood it. I was seeing the amount of money being thrown around. And you weren't stripping, you were, I well, were you the owner of the place. Women kept on asking me, When are you gonna jump on stage? When are you gonna jump on stage? As I'm drinking, bringing my ties and vodka tonics and you know, screwdrivers and bourbons and all that stuff, getting called up from the and farm they were calling team, me up from, the, from the farm team, and I was like, Yeah, no. Were there regulars? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, there were regular regulars. Oh, God. Super regular. Mm. And I went, yeah, that's not me. Well, you, it should be you. And I went, oh, okay. And so what would happen is the the, the, par- the start of the party would be out in the main area. Well, you know women want what they can't have. Yes. I just want to say that. Yes. Okay, keep going. Okay. What can't um, you have? But they all get everything that you want. So that's kind of oxymoron, is it? Hmm? Well, no... Yeah, they're all sharing that. They want what they can have. The guy in the shirt without oh, his penis out. Got it, got they're it. like, oh, just like, I, I, I see ladies, you feel me? It's like a reverse thing, right? You want what you can't have. Got it. You're like forbidden fruit. That's me. So, Remember Eve in the garden? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, I was forbidden. the forbidden fruit. Uh-huh. I was the apple. Uh-huh. Um, and there was some women in there trying to take a bite, and I was going, hey, <laughs> no, that ain't me. I'm just here to serve you your drinks. And I had never really done anything like this before. And it was a little, the first few days was a little awkward. And then after a couple of weeks, you're like, oh, okay, you know, you're in there three, four times a week. And get you get used to it. Right? You desensitize. And then after the big open, the big, the big gathering area, it would shut down and move into this smaller back area Uh-oh. that's actually probably the size of the kitchen, dining room, living room area that we're in right now. It's a pretty decent size. It's a decent size, but it was, you know, it goes from club size down right. to a small lounge size. Right. And the lounge had a stage, and then there were just chairs wrapped all the way around the stage. Oh, a good DJ Lord. booth, and that's it. Just a little th- theater in the round. A little for theater you. in the round type thing, right? Mm-hmm. And a little thrust stage. A little thrust stage. And then, like, towards the end of my time there, the owner of the place goes, my, my friend, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you would like to see your server on the stage? And I went, no, no. I'm waving them off. They start hooping and hollering. And I'm like, shit, what are you going to do? I'm a performer. I'm an improviser. I'm an actor at the time. I was in decent enough shape. 
And yes, he, and I said it got quiet. They looked at me. I was like, "Spin me something funky," <laughs> and I jumped up on stage and I started dancing. And wait, wait, wait! But you didn't wait, take anything off. Wait, what was the funky thing they spun? Oh, it's hard to, you uh, ask difficult questions. Oh, it was uh, it was uh, it was Lakeside Stank Fantastic Voice. I'm gonna look. Oh yes, come along and ride on the fantastic voyage from the 90s, late 80s, early late late 70s, early 80s. Great songs. I actually danced to at my wedding. <laughs> One of the songs I asked played for a particular mm-hmm. reason because it was like putting that part of my life to bed. Uh, so I get on stage, and these women started throwing money at me, and you're going around. You kind of do a little moment on the stage and then you kind of go around the room I saw this is what I saw the guys doing they would go around the room from lady to lady and give them a moment and as I started going around giving them a moment I came to a woman who was probably a septuagenarian (laughs) maybe an octogenarian and she decided I've been on this earth long enough I'm getting myself a handful (gasps) and she did and I was in shock because I didn't know what was happening. It happened so fast. I was like, oh, she got her hands on her uh, Shit. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, okay. And then I looked, and it was like I had a wad of 20s. Huh. In your pants. In my pants. That's retirement money. It was retirement. It was, it, it was definitely I don't have to go out and do this background job money. That is, that is, that, you know, that was her reverse mortgage. It really was. It was insane. And as I went around the room, having a good time, and I finally just kind of gave into the moment. I was like, I am never doing this ever again for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have fun in this three and a half minutes of life. And I absolutely wild out. I kept everything on. I kept my pants. My pants stayed on. Pants and shoes stayed on. Shirt came off. I had a bow tie around my neck. My wife doesn't even know this whole story, I don't think. So she's going to find out. <laughs> she will. I love you, babe. She's going to remember your wedding. Like, when you were when you dancing to that song? Yeah. Uh-huh. I was reliving my moments. Um, so at the end of the day. You're going to have I, to tell her about every musical choice you made at that wedding. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, God. So Oops. it was, there were a couple that tried to get a little more aggressive than I wanted to get. And I really wasn't trying to kiss anybody. And I really wasn't trying to have my myself fellatioed so I was like ah I said we're keeping it R-rated not X-rated baby and we just kept on working I got around the room one time and it was in that moment when I pulled all the money that had been pushed on me and given to me Mm. when I sat down and counted it it was in that moment I completely and totally understood why people stripped oh yeah because I easily had $700 god damn for three minutes for three minutes I mean that's absurd it was crazy. Now, mind you, I wouldn't have gotten that every single time, but it was because know. the first time I got up after being there for two and a half months. Right. And you because were they debut. were going, oh, we want to see this. We want you to come up. They kind of just went to hell with it. We're going to cough up our... We're throw it all in this They made it rain. They did make it rain. I mean, it was... I was in, I was in shock. And it was every different type of ethnic, socioeconomic background that was in there. <coughs> I was really blown away. And... Like I said, three months. I worked for tips, you know, just for drink tips. Um, and you were making three, four hundred so, a night. I was making about three hundred a night on, and, on and drink, tips. Two, and drink yeah, tips. two to three hundred a night in tips, depending on the night, just on drink tips. So they served alcohol. So they served alcohol. Yeah. Okay, because like my girlfriends who were strippers, uh, the strip clubs that they worked at, uh, I have three friends who were strippers. Um, they did not serve alcohol. Oh, okay. I don't know what the rules and laws were, but. <laughs> 
to but my like you said, there were no rules. There were there were well, very it, no very. It was few a different rules. kind. It wasn't it was women on stage. Right. It was guys so, on stage. So the right. guys don't you don't our barriers for self protection preservation are completely different. And the wilder they women want to get, the more money the guys were making. And so they the guys didn't really care. They allowed whatever to happen to happen. I mean, I wow. saw everything you could possibly imagine happened yeah. at some point. Um, it's interesting because I feel like I, I thought that I would talk about my uh, hostessing gig, which was supposed to be a bartending gig at B.B. Um, King's nightclub at Universal. Well, that's because we thought Jason was going to be talking about a food service right. job. Food service <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to lie. We're kind of going... We're, we're making a hard right turn. This sounds more like my job where I was the uh, personal assistant to the... Um, uh, guy who owned the number one porn distribution company uh, in the country. Yeah. Um, I think it was like green. I, I, I shouldn't say it, so I'm not going to. Right. And I, I shouldn't because I don't want to get in trouble. You've watched the videos. You've watched their videos. Right. I have been to their offices, which was um, disturbing. Uh, because in their offices, um, they have multiple porn directors who like make their own porns and stuff. But they have these big old TVs in the waiting room and the mm-hmm. lobby and in all the offices of porn. Yeah, and their movies are on. And their movies are on. And that was really sort of like an odd experience mm-hmm. for me. Um, I was like, oh, okay. But this really sounds more like I didn't have to do that often, go to the office. Okay. Um, usually he would give me his Beamer and I would make deliveries. I don't know okay. what I was delivering, but I would go to the city of industry often with oh, a okay. trunk full of stuff. So and then I, drops. I was making drops at some like... Um, uh, what do they call it? A, um, you know, like it's not it's not a strip mall, but it's um, uh, 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 um, what, porn palace. No, what do they call it when it's a bunch of businesses? A strip mall. And, and, yeah, I know where it's a No, 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 no. <laughs> like they're warehouses and stuff. Like an in, distribution, an industrial uh, park, industrial park? An, an okay. industrial park. Okay. And I would make like these deliveries, and then I would drive the Beamer back. Oh. Um, but I had to escort him to the company Christmas party. Which was in Sherman Oaks, but their offices were out in the Deep Valley, um, like Canoga Park or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they were having all the actresses and actors actually lived in like Sherman Oaks and Studio City because mm-hmm. these were people that thought they were going to have you know legit acting legit careers. careers. Um, I mean, there's nothing more legit than porn, to be frank. But because uh, you're not pretending to have sex, no, you're actually, you're having, actually sex. having sex. Um, yeah. So I had to it's go method. to. Um, so this is the most interesting part. The Christmas party was at the club that I first saw Jason Bieber doing stand-up at about four years later. And I had like such bad memories of the place. It was near Chinchins, remember? In yeah, Sherbrooke? same building. And I had told you. So I went into this place like with him because he was like you have to come to the christmas party and i was like i really don't want to go to the christmas party and he was a really nice guy and he was like you know you have to escort me because the girls you know he was not an unattractive man he was not an attractive man he was probably 15 years older than me he was just a very nice man and i was like okay but the girls thought he was the money man because he was the money man um i got paid like 25 bucks an hour to walk his dog um so and make deliveries so i escorted him and it was full on, nobody was recording it. These were just people having sex everywhere yeah. in the club yeah. because they could. Because that's their MO. That's what they do. That's the reality. So I was sitting in a booth and like two feet away was a woman, you know, having sex mm-hmm. on this guy's lap. And I was like, there was nowhere I could sit or stand. Eventually, yeah. 
I decided I'm going to quit this job because I don't want to be at this party anymore because mm-hmm. I asked him to leave like several times and he was like, no, you have to wait till I'm ready to go. And I was like, mm, I quit and I left. Mm-hmm. But he had already bought me a bunch of Christmas gifts, you guys. So a week later, I had I got like $1,000 of Christmas gifts Aww. sent to my apartment. What a nice Like he guy. wasn't creepy. He didn't bring them. Like he had them sent. Right. He knew he was, he was like, paying legit. you what he was paying you and for right. Christmas. He was like, here. Here's your Christmas bonus. I got cash. I got gift cards and I got like... You know, like a ski jacket. Like, I could ever afford to learn to ski. Right. You know. And some of that stuff was probably gifts to him. Yeah. Oh. He's repacking. Repack. Exactly. There was no... Again, Jamie was never a stripper. Have you seen me? He was not interested in me. This man worked with porn stars. (laughs) Strippers turned to porn stars. I mean, he was dealing with the elite class of women. I am not... (laughs) I'm going to come back to the whole forbidden fruit thing. I yep. was not forbidden fruit. I was just yeah. yeah you probably were the animal. unattainable. And stripping doesn't lead you to it porn. Doesn't. It my doesn't. my friends are like that were strippers are these amazing, incredibly yeah. smart women who yep. you know had jobs during the day, but they couldn't quit this other side gig because it really allowed them to live a more comfortable lifestyle than continuing to hustle like me. Well, if you're in that world, if you're if you're working in the adult entertainment world, and and we. Can, talk about other things but from what i've observed if you're working in the adult entertainment world the healthiest people working in that world that are performers are usually the ones that are just stripping because yep. they are in there for the money they're paying for school they're paying yep. for you know daycare they're paying for their condo their home they've got a plan yep and there is an end date to it yep. and there is physical fitness built into their oh, job. a lot of physical fitness oh. built into the job and Some nobody them touches are them professional athletes and no one touches them nobody's allowed to touch them they are to no. be looked and they and and that's it yep. and they are in total control of them of their bodies and themselves listen and it's the of the jobs yeah. it's probably the safest and best in that environment there's still dirt and still it's still a dark world and you still got to know how to handle yourself but they're not getting used well let's be fair as they are in the way in the porn world even even in Jamie's food service job. Oh my gosh. There's still dirt and you're still getting used. Yeah, should, exactly. Should we talk about that for a second? I paid money to go take a bartending school course at the community college. I so did a I could get class. so I could get a job bartending. Yes. And I applied to the bartending gig at BB King's nightclub at Universal. I'm gonna say it because they're no longer there. It's something else now. Um and they hired me as the bartender part-time bartender but they made me a hostess and they were like oh we have to put you on a two-month trial right and i was like are you kidding me fine standard operating procedure i was like okay so nights and they're like no we got you on days and i'm like no i need the reason i have i'm an actor i have auditions (laughs) during the day i need this job at night and they're like we'll just work a couple days and i was like okay but can you be flexible and they were like yes and i was like okay well, the girl who hired me, the woman, she was younger than me, so I'm going to call her girl. But um, the woman who hired me did not like me very much. I think she thought that I was a little too big for my britches. Is it britches? I can't yeah. imagine why. And, um, pantalones? Yeah, and I wasn't. I wasn't, but you hired me for one thing, and then you like slipped it in mm-hmm. and did me a disservice <laughs> slipping it in. I know. The amount that was of a, innuendo and faux pas on this. Upon this. Walking so, his dog for $25 an hour. <laughs> I'm really going to tell you the most embarrassing story that's going to make you believe that I'm either the stupidest person in the world 
or just the stupidest person in the world. Jay, quick side bet. Side bet. <laughs> the stupidest. Over under. <laughs> I I didn't quite catch the hostessing gig. I didn't get it. First of all, I couldn't read the seating chart. I didn't understand it. There were okay. two floors. I really didn't understand how they were numbering the sure. tables. It did not make sense to me, and I was constantly seating people in the wrong place, <laughs> <laughs> which I got yelled at a lot for it. I was like, I okay, I don't get it. I can't read your puzzle. It was a puzzle, you guys. It was this a very puzzle. Confusing piece of, it was it's a very a, confusing pie chart. If you've ever worked in as a hostess. I applaud you. I can't read your seating charts. Um, and then second, they said, no reservations. Don't take any reservations after 8 p.m. So people would call at 8.30 and they'd say, I'd like to make a reservation for tomorrow night. And I'd say, oh, it's 8.30. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. <laughs> and when they... It's the cutoff. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, so Jamie, we're... <laughs> look at trying to place you elsewhere. So I, this thing's not working out. It was not like I didn't get it. So they were like, oh, we had a server call and said, we're going to try you as a server. That is and I was like, okay. So I took orders and just the first table, I went back to get them water and I brought it out and I dumped three glasses of water on their table and broke all the glass. And they were like, all right, back to the hostess Let's stand. Let's get you back on the hostess stand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> immediately back on the hostess stand. on your man. So then I booked a movie in Chicago, an independent film, and right. I was being flown out. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was... That's my thing. Sure. So I took it and I told them and they were like, they were so okay with it. They were like, okay, calls from your back. While I was in Chicago shooting, they call me and they're like, uh, you're fired. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Standard operating position. Standard I was fired. Position. It was so terrible because I was like, oh crap, I got to find another job. And I get home and then I realize like, oh, I got to go pick up this paycheck. Like I realized that I, I was owed two paychecks. Um, and I called um, and they said, oh, we gave it your paychecks to your boyfriend. I did not have a boyfriend. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't have a boyfriend. And they're like, yeah, the bouncer on Saturday nights. And I was <laughs> like, what? This is what Jason was talking about, Bieber, about the dirty. Um, all of a sudden, the Saturday night bouncer showed up at my apartment door, and he was like, I just want to tell you, I think you're the prettiest girl, and I just know you're going to make it. And there's only one other woman in the world that I knew this about, which is um, Will Smith's wife. And I was like, oh, God, did she work here? Did you do the same thing to her? Like, <laughs> did you take I, her checks? I was like, oh, my Still God. And he gave me the checks. And he's like, I'm not going to bother you unless you want me to bother you. And I was like, I don't want you to bother wow. me. And I took my checks and that was it. And I moved like a month later. Wow. I, not because of him. I moved no. because, you know, our lease ended. It's interesting. Like, you know, most stalker stories, they keep coming. He yeah. didn't keep coming. No, like, he, he took just a hand. Like a gentle, like a gentle, odd guy that doesn't know how to do that. He probably would have asked you out in a more appropriate way at work had he not, had you not booked that movie. Yeah. The only thing that freaked me out was Eventually. that he, that he told them. But he knew you where you lived. He knew where I lived because it was on the paycheck. He opened my paycheck. He opened your paycheck. Yeah, he's more than a gentle giant that just doesn't know how to do that. Exactly. He's you a don't resourceful do that. gentle he's a resourceful giant. And he gentle told giant. human resources that he was my boyfriend. Well, with a slight psychotic, delusional, delusional, schizophrenic kind of. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Maybe he thought, you know, not yet, but will be. Yes. Maybe he was hopeful. Hopeful. He could have been hopeful. He could have just been like, a, he a he, maybe faith. he really believed in me. 
Maybe he just And he was like, I didn't want you to have to go through parking at Universal and the Frankenstein lot to like walk all the way back up to BB King's to get these two paychecks. So instead of doing that to you, I decided to take matters into my own hands and bring you your paychecks. After I opened your check and found out where your address was at. Do you think he would stand in line at rides for us? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) this was. Not just rides, all lines. All lines. This this was 14 years, 15 years ago. It was 15 years ago. Yeah. I don't even know where he is now. He's I don't even bouncing. know he's his name. There. He's probably still there. No, they're not even there now. And oh, now it's like John Lovitz. Oh, the, it was the B.B. King joint? B.B. King. Yeah, yeah. He could be bouncing at the John Lovitz Comedy be. Club. He 15 could. years later? The Cuba Room downtown, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. He was a nice guy. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Um, and he was like, you know, 15 years older than me mm-hmm. on top of it. So he should have known better. Uh, maybe. And this was 15 years ago. 15 years ago, but there was a lot of weird... Me Too was like, not... Uh... Me Too wasn't there, but it's like 15... You, I think 15 years ago, I'm going, oh my gosh, that was like 2005. And it was only 2005. Only 2005. Mm-hmm. 2005. And when you think about what we do as craftspeople and artists, and we look back at a 15-year journey, and you look back at the stuff that you used to do then, the stuff that you were willing to do then just to survive and what you do now would you say no to because you're just not going back to that oh i've 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 literally turned down two like real freelance writing jobs this Mm -hmm. year because i'm in grad school and writing a book and have a job and i'm like oh my god i turned down two jobs for the first time in my life and they weren't porn related right right you're high five because we've grown i worked I, i took a bartending class um that's the one thing about LA that I've noticed there are just part of the hustle of LA is the classes that are offered in LA. Oh yeah. The number of people that will take $200 from that's a anybody side hustle. and everybody to teach them something. See, that's mm-hmm. not a side hustle. That is a hustle. That is a that's hustle. That's a hustle. That's a straight up con job. Yes. And Often. a large portion of the game is that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people out there teaching anything that shouldn't be teaching. It's their market, but they've got mad marketing skills. They've got great marketing skills. And and there's, what, 10,000 new people coming here every year with Mm. 10 to 15, 20,000 And they're like, oh, look, he he was a co-star on his IMDb credit. It's like, um, let me break down what a co-star is. It is two lines on a show, and you hope you don't get cut. And usually people don't even know your name on set. So when somebody says, I can teach you how to be on the show, I've been a co-star on Modern Family. Bless your heart. Don't give them a thousand dollars. Don't give them anything. <laughs> I had a person try to hustle me out of a thousand dollars to shoot a, a two-minute scene for my reel for me, um, and take some headshots for me, um, and uh, one-stop shop. One-stop shop. And this individual's ego was—it was an odd job that I took to help out. I worked on his project. He cast me in it. He wrote the entire script on a legal notepad right before he shot the scenes and um, swore up and down that it was going to be the most important film in all of black cinema. Um, was he white? No. Because that would have been amazing. No, that would have been amazing. If it was. I'd have like, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, and like one of those people that directed and wrote and produced and cinematography and did the score and right. but it was one of those things where you're going you're sitting there watching a person edit and stroking their own ego because they're insecure and you're looking at them going 
even back then, I'm going, wow, you are way older than me and you're really insecure and you are doing everything you can to build yourself up. You're not going to be the next Tyler Perry, dude. Like, you're not. Like You would have been already. You would have been already. Right. right. And it's not going to be this project. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this is a project and you don't even get to choose that. You make a movie, you put it out and the fans and the critics decide whether or not it's great or good based off of their response. You right. can't say this is going to be the greatest thing. The response tells you it's one of the greatest things that are out there. And I remember distinctly looking at him because he I, I, he had asked me to help with post-production and all that before I really knew what it was. Um, but he was giving I was basically gophering and he was paying me a little bit of money to do it. And I just remember thinking to myself, your ego is so massive that this thing's never going to get off of the ground because you won't take anybody else's advice. And I was like, I'm brand new out here. I'm new. So I'm coming at this. I, I used to be a fan. I'm in my early 30s. I didn't go down the path of school and training and all. I didn't get into it that way. I got to that once I got here, but I didn't go to college for it. I didn't have a career leading up to um, right. Jason Kelly went to college for business degree I got a business degree and I worked in sales and I helped build the internet and I used to work for Xerox and got really good training in that world and I came to the business in the entertainment industry with a really blunt point of view based off of the patterns that I had observed as a audience member and then got on the inside and started seeing that, oh, a lot of the patterns that I observed were actually, in fact, correct. But I wasn't the artist yet. And so when I was getting around all these people that were artists and listened to them talk about their stuff, I was going, shut up and just make it and put it out. Right. Like, you were like an engineer. Yeah. Or a reverse engineer. I would reverse. Yeah. My brain reverse engineered all of it. I could see the patterns and how it led to something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I realized, oh, you can't go into it with that intention. But one caveat to that, I think, <clears throat> is that as an artist, you have to one, be your biggest fan, mm-hmm. two, your biggest marketer, mm-hmm. three, your biggest promoter. Mm-hmm. So there is a certain amount of that language that you have to be okay with delivering yes. to people. It's just who you are, I think. Um, whether or not it's buyable, believable, consumable. And some people just can't pull that yeah, off. Because you can read right through the people that are just BSing. Yeah, and you got to know when your stuff is good. You do. You have to know when it's good and when it's not. You have to know when it's developing. And, and this, these are the things that I learned as my journey progressed. Because I used to always watch people create stuff and then go, what do you think? Is it any good? And I'm going, do you think it's Do you think it's any good? Would you pay fifteen dollars to go see this? Would you sit down for an hour and watch this on 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 TV? Because if you wouldn't, then it's not. I mean, I've been listening to our podcast guests talk on our show. I I of course have to listen so that we can edit. Um, and I gotta tell you, I'd pay fifteen dollars to listen to this podcast because y'all are so good well, and you have you. so much to say. You guys are doing a great job. And it's you invaluable. It well. well, it's because it's real. You know, I mean. I like Jay Jason has said earlier, you know, he kind of came from privilege and so he didn't have to struggle in the same way that a lot of young budding artists have to. I came from the corporate world having sold, you know, a couple of condos and and um, um, a Mercedes Benz. I was in my early 30s. I had already made money. Making money was not an issue for me. It's a game of attrition and tenacity. And if you just keep going, you'll win Mm -hmm. at some point in whatever lane. 
You'll eventually win in something. You just got to find your groove, right? And we all have to find your groove. And your writing groove is on point because we all know that. Um, So thoughtful. Thank you. Write your ass off. But it's like, I came out here, real talk. I came out here with 85 grand in my bank. Ooh. 85. And I came out here to be in the music business. I was coming out here to try to be the next Diddy. (laughs) <laughs> or the next Clive Davis or uh, Quincy Jones because I had I came from a musical background in that I was a director in a, in a gospel choir and I just had an ear and I took a choir from my hometown from like six voices and it exploded to 45 or 50 inside of a three year window when I started conducting. I didn't have any musical training or anything like that but the musical director of the church was a military general yeah he was a military general or colonel in the army who had gone to Juilliard and pulled me aside one time and asked me where'd you train I was like I didn't he's like well how do you know how how did you know how do you know how to how do you know how to guide and lead and manage music how do you know to conduct I was like it's just in me I don't know he's like well if you ever want to get trained you let me know because I'll be more than happy to write you a glowing recommendation to whatever your school or conservatory you want to go to to learn how to do this because wow. you've got a gift. I didn't <laughs> take him up on that. <laughs> and I kind of wish that's one of the, I might write a script. Um, that might be a good script for me to write and tell a story in that lane. But I came out here to be in the music business and I put money into trying to pursue that. Had a woman getting ready to give me $2 million to launch a record label and this one artist I was working with. Wow. And what I found out was Every time I tried to set up a performance for him, this was one of my side hustles. This was the hustle before the hustle. Every time I tried to set up a performance for him, he wouldn't get on stage. He wouldn't perform. Wildly charismatic. Great lyricist. Funny. Like, imagine pieces of Chappelle and pieces of, like, Method Man. Did he need beta blockers? Probably. Huh. Yes. what did Not, you do? Uh, he, it was a volatile situation. Ugh. And I had never really known. I didn't know how to deal with people like that. Because um, I came out going, no, I'm serious. I'm out here to do this. And what it was is people can't, people can't see what you left. No, they can't. To start something new. They just see that you're here and they assume what everybody else assumes. Is that you you decided you wanted to be an artist. You decided you wanted to be in the business, whatever. And... You're young-ish, so you must be brand new. You must be green. You must not know anything. And you've never made any sacrifices. The truth of the matter is, for me, I made a massive sacrifice because I was making $150,000 a year for the better part of four or five years. And I had investments in D.C. real estate back when D.C. real estate was, you know, you could get a condo for $200,000, $300,000 in downtown D.C. Can't find a corner for two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in downtown DC today. So I was in then and had I stayed doing just what I was doing in the dot com world in the corporate world, oh I'd have been a millionaire by now. I'd be a rich man. I'd be a very rich man by now. Which brings me to my question. Is it worth it? Like you gave up this thing because there was a, a creative inside you that needed out, mm-hmm. that you needed your voice and your piece in the world as an artist. You needed that to exist. And so you gave that up. You came here. You side hustled. You, I don't want to say that we lower ourselves to these jobs, but because um, that's that's the, not what I'm trying to say. What but I'm you work is, hard at something that's work, not your goal. That's not yeah, your goal to survive. To survive, and is it worth it? Every bit of it. Every there bit. You, of it. There you go. 
there's not a thing. The only thing I would have done differently is I would have just forgone the first six years of my business career and not gone into the corporate world. Hmm. I would have followed my heart and just the day that I left my job, my sales job for the software company with this guy who was berating me every single day because I wasn't selling anything. I wasn't selling his highest priced software. If I had followed my heart the day that I just started driving towards West Virginia, I just got in the car and just started driving west. I'd have kept going. Or I would have just said to hell with it and driven north and kept going and stopped when I got to New York. Right. Because even then at 20 something, I had an impulse then. I just want this feeling to keep going. And it stemmed from, you know, when I was in my, I'm in a black fraternity. Um, not that you guys have like HB, uh, black Greeks probably listen to this, but you might. Might. And if you do, then we hope everybody listens because the, the whole idea everybody is listens. that everybody's it's, got it's a, a side hustle. It's, it's a journey for everybody. It's a journey for everybody. journey for everybody. So step shows and all that and performing and doing the work and getting to practice and figuring out the choreography and then getting out there for, for a month or two and then getting out there and performing in front of an audience. I loved that feeling. I did that. I, I mean, I was Greek in college, undergrad, okay. and um, we had something called Songfest, which was part of Greek Week, yep. and all the money raised went to a charity, and I directed us to a third place trophy Go ahead. from last place multiple years in a row. Oh. I was like, okay, I got this, and I you got that dope put the choreography together, the I put the songs together, there was a theme, yep. there might have been a little bugle boy in there. Um, a bugle boy. Uh, yeah, I did that, and yeah. we took third place. I had that on my resume when I came out here. I was like... That was on my resume, stepping. Because it was great, right? Yes. That feeling feels good, and each time we It was a win! In rehearsal at church, doing the songs, I realized that it really was less about me praising the Lord. I just liked being in the middle of the music, conducting it, and moving people emotionally with the songs, because the songs are powerful. They're powerful. Yes. It's powerful melodies, powerful songs. And while I always wanted it to go to some next level... I was in a gospel, I was in a gospel musical group. Like I was always doing something, trying to be in that edge of the world and yep. edge of the business that never went away. But when you get, you know, you got a car note and yep. phone bill and all that, and you're living in your parents' house and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. And they don't have any creative outlets or knowledge or wisdom about it. What are you going to do? You end up going down the path that that, that, that provides. Right, when my father was like, no, you can't get a degree in theater. You could be a TV journalist right. or you could be a lawyer in performing court. So, yeah, I was a TV journalist. Yeah, way to say. <laughs> you guys bring up something that we haven't talked about yet on the show, and I think maybe we should. Um, and that is how, you know, our, our parents, our families, our, you know, our, our greater spheres know what we're pursuing. But when they find out about what we're doing on the way to that pursuit, and I'm not Ooh. saying your mom and dad knew mm -hmm. about LeBear. They don't know about it. They, they won't listen. Don't, don't give them the link to this. They don't know about LeBear. But when they find out about, you know, our, our the other things we're doing, how do they feel? How do they react? What do they say to us? Because I know that, like, personally, my parents, when they, the only thing they, you know, they, they, they can, they have uh, assessed my my career, my acting career, as not paying the bills. So then they look at what I'm doing that is paying the bills, and all they see is something that is not necessarily fulfilling me and not living up to their expectations. Right. Mm. And I don't, you know, I'm like, of course it's not. It's a side hustle. It's a, right. it's a, 
you know, it's a day right. job. Right. You know what I found out? Hmm. Is because like my family, the first time my family, the first time all of my family and siblings came out was for the wedding. I've been out here for 15 plus years. Right? Yeah. The first time all of them came out is for the wedding. My parents have been out here two, maybe three times before that. They don't know how to relate to right. what we do. And they as don't. a result of them, they're now my family's supportive and they're like, they're like, oh, we saw you on this, we saw you on that. And they're, they're cheerful and they, they give me love for it. But they don't really, because they don't really fully know how to relate it makes it difficult for them to try and connect with me on that level. Um, Very astute of you. Right. And it's not, I've, I've gotten to the point and, and, and even more so my friends from back home that just could not conceive why I would walk away from a six figure income lifestyle to come do this. Yeah. That have all moved on and they have families and they're, they're, they're deep into their having children they're starting to grow and they're looking at me going yeah you might want to get started on that they even they there was a couple of them that would ask me every time i'd visit so you think you're staying out there what are you going to do and i'm going i live in la right i am an actor this is what right. i'm doing i'm not coming back right oh jamie you own a home who bought it for you what i bought my own home what are you talking what are you talking about, about? They, don't, they don't because they relate to success as an actor as you're on a TV series or you're famous. Mm-hmm. What they don't get right. is there's a lot of lower hanging fruit that can be your bill, pay your bills. My side hustle for the last 11 years, 12 years has been commercials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've done some co-stars, guest stars, but the lion's share of my income has been doing commercials. And You we- can't watch TV without seeing JK's commercials. <laughs> it's Period. True. It's true. Like... <laughs> People the last came two to... and a half years, you can't because I haven't right. been on. Well, people who came to our wedding were like, oh my God, I see his commercial all the time who had never met you. Oh, okay. Like from Michigan. Oh, back then I was definitely on a And it was yeah. like, yeah. it blew people's minds. Like pe- yeah. my little sister was still right. I just saw JK on a commercial, <laughs> um, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that, that paid the bills for years. I mean, it has paid, not only has it paid all the bills, it paid all my training at Second City at UCB, I.O., all my acting classes, every voiceover class I ever took, every all the voiceover equipment that I've got, um, everything. It bought two Infinities. Um, <laughs> two. two Infinities. infinities not a Tesla? Not a Tesla, but a Mercedes-Benz SUV. Thank oh, you very Two much. Infinities and, and beyond. beyond. Okay. Um, and it put Sounds me good. in... The apartment that I had for 11 years allowed me to live by myself for 11, well, eight years before my my now wife moved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and quickly moved you and out. Mo- quickly moved us out into a <laughs> home, uh, which has been better, much, much better. Uh, that has been my hustle. Now, here's the, here's the rub. I went into it going, oh, yeah, I can make money doing commercials. That makes sense. Somebody approached me and said, have you ever thought about doing commercials when I was getting ready to turn tail and go home? I was like, no. I took a class with him. Hey, I saw your commercial.com. Mike Pointer down on Pico. He's fantastic. He's helped me start my career. I realized this is a place for me to go and learn experience in front of the camera. Learn what it's like to be on set and the jobs that everybody has on set. Um, and at the same time, make money because of the residuals that come with it. And build a reel and, build, and begin to build a career from there. Because I had seen people like Brad Pitt in his 
Pringles commercial back in 1990. And I remember Keanu's Coca-Cola commercial. And I remember Brian Cranston's um, Preparation H commercial. <laughs> and I remember Morgan Freeman in a 7-Up and like a 7-Up commercial or something like that. I remember seeing all these faces do these commercials and then make a jump. And I went, oh, I can do that. That's it. I made a decision then. The crazy thing is, is the number of people in the industry that just dismiss you as a commercial actor. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I always say, I, I always think it's interesting because I think commercial, listen, it teaches you what it's like to be on set yep. and what you really are as an actor. Yep. You are a product. Yep. You, it is, you, the ensemble is not around you. The director is the CEO of that set. Yep. It, you, an actor is a product. You are selling a good. You are selling a story, an idea. an idea. You are selling a product. So even when you're doing a commercial, it's not about you. It's about the product about you're the holding. Product. And it's so interesting to me because um, that people would be dismissive because you see actors today, big time actors are doing more commercials now oh. as big time actors taking it away yeah, from the yeah. actors who are really, using yeah. it as the side acting as side gig actor. and as the latter to become and, the and as to the latter more. to make that jump <laughs> yep. so that's not even available so the idea that anybody would dismiss a commercial actor blows is my mind. blows my mind i remember who pays for all the stuff that's on tv right because every time I get that kind of feedback from somebody, because right. I've had it happen. You're paying the salary suite. of the sitcom. It happened to me at a gifting suite once. And the guy, they had a little speaker and whatever. And he was, I was like, oh, this is dope. Like, are these available for us? And he's like, well, what show are you on? And I, I, it was the way he said it. Mm -hmm. And I went, I'm on the little shows in between all the shows that pay for the shows that you think is so important to be on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he looked at me. And that speaker's sitting next to my bed right now. And it has been for several <laughs> years. Good. Because you sometimes have to own your space. Right. You have to check people. Because commercials pay for everything. Everything on TV is paid for via commercial with, except for, with the exception of streaming and premium cable. People forget that. And, and not all streaming. Amazon has. I mean, Hulu has commercials. Hulu has commercials. And so I like to remind people sometimes that... Uh, yeah, I co-starred and guest starred on this, 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 and this, but I'm in this Avis spot that's paying for everything that you're watching. Right. Mm -hmm. so I am the star of... I'm, and I'm the... the 8 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., I'm the star. I'm the star. So, and, <laughs> and when I... I actually went down and looked at some numbers, like, and I've got a lot of friends. We, we all have a lot of friends that have worked, worked successfully commercially. Oh, yeah. You look at the number of commercials somebody's been on. They call it their bread and, and the, butter. The number of airings that they've had over the course of a window of a, a year, year and a half. Uh, there are people that are out there that are commercial actors. There are people out there that are commercial actors that have more airtime than the stars of TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. So... To my my response has always been like, don't knock me for my hustle. My goal is a TV series and a film career. Yeah, so but I'm gonna get there through this path. Right. So bringing it back, yeah. uh, kids, if you're listening to this show, not tuning in. I try not to say it this episode. <laughs> um, a side hustle can also still be a side hustle a get in the gig economy that is actually in acting or in art job, which we will talk about more in future episodes because that is something that Jason Bieber has done and I have done as well. Um, but right now, I just really want to say thank you so much, Jason, for oh, always... Jason Kelly, not Jason, Jason Bieber. I get no thanks. Um, 
Thank you so much for always being on board to participate in our projects. I love y'all's get down. Being a supporter and being here today. It was so kind of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And do you want to, I don't, is it too, we can edit this part out. Is it too soon to plug your, um, anything you've got, anything you've got right now? Um, I'm shooting an Avis commercial tomorrow that should be on cable, a national cable spot. It's my first one in, uh, almost two years, I think. Wow. Welcome back. It's nice to be back. Nice to be back on the waves. Um, and I landed, thank God, I landed the, um, the lead role in an upcoming video game by Arcane, Arcane Studios called Deathloop, which uh, drops, uh, I think, this August or September. Yes, really so I, cool. We just watched the trailer before recording. This game looks amazing. Is that a trailer... Uh, Widely public. Yeah, it's on it's on YouTube. It's just type in Deathloop and fantastic. It's not me voicing the commercial, the the the, the trailer. He's not the narrator. I'm not the narrator, but the character, the lead character in that is I'm voicing that guy, and it's been a lot of fun so far. That's and I'm so looking. Cool. It's one of my first. It's like it, no, it's my first full length video game that I've that I'm that I'm voicing. So I'm pretty that's excited. That's awesome. Awesome, more man. More to come. So much more to come. Yeah. And that's like, that's another one that's like, is that a side hustle? I mean, it wasn't the original. You certainly didn't come to Hollywood looking to be the star of video games, but like, that's it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. I just wrapped up the show. You, you can't add. You can like edit that and put it back in. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I just did? I just dead looped it. Okay. So once again, Jason Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Jason Bieber, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Okay, three, um, more, three more things. Everybody can suck a dick. <laughs> Just like all the ladies <laughs> at, at Love Bear. Bear. She showed on Monday, made love on Tuesday. By Wednesday, she was there. We fought on Thursday, made up on Friday. But now I'm losing ground. You call me lazy.